And now, a Blaze Media podcast. Are you five feet or over six feet five with character faces and hairy, hairy people? Are you considered a hairy, hairy person? All ages, all ethnicities, ethnicity, eth, yeah, you know, all kinds of people, everybody. Ethnicities, it's a very simple word. Also saw it are stocky, mean-looking bikers and circus performers who can juggle. The ad also concludes with a plea for people with hair, hair, hair. If you have natural red hair, white hair, or lots of freckles, do you have a few wrinkles? Have you been out in the sunshine? Is your face a little ugh? Do you look like a leather handbag? Do you have a gazillion wrinkles that you would qualify for a role? Yes, Amazon's big budget Lord of the Rings TV series. Looking for you. Welcome to it, Chewing the Fat, with yours truly, Jeff Fisher. Hello, how are you? Those of you listening live, it's the 18th of December, 2019. Uh, Yes, today is impeachment day. No, I will not go in depth into the impeachment. Not on this show, no. I may touch on a couple of things to do with it. And if I get too close, you'll hear the music that I've gone too far. You'll hear that. You'll hear that. It'll stop before that, though. But when you hear that, you know that I've gone too far into the political realm. But I'll try not to fire off the sounder. One of my favorite stories, I talked about it this morning uh, on Pat Unleashed. I did my Wednesday chewing segment with Pat. And uh, apparently CBS is still having Me Too issues. Uh, a CBS producer says a booze-abusing boss texted her a photo of him peeing. And now she's mad. She's suing. She says her boss regularly drank at work. Once texted her a photo of himself and friends peeing on a smoldering fire. And that she was sidelined for reporting it. Uh, okay, fine. No problem. Uh, it's in court now. It's going to her, uh, Manhattan Supreme court lawsuit. Uh, Vinograd 35 says Gavshon 63 sometimes got so belligerent that he would slur his words and need things repeated to him multiple times. It also claims that he passed out in her office once the horror I mean, the guy came in and was working and went to sleep. 
How do you, how can you work that way? You can't. So apparently, and this is and it's fine. I just want you to know that CBS looked into all these charges and said, "Oh yeah, look, the text was a it was a mistake. It was an accident sent to the wrong person, and nobody else says that he drinks." So we looked into it. Good luck. God bless. Take care. Now, he texted the photo of himself with some friends with their peeing device out, and uh, they were peeing on a fire, holding their devices. Now, she didn't reply to it. She didn't reply to it. No, well, that's what they were doing. They were trying to put something like that out, according to, the, according to this and to her report. Now, later on, he texted her again because she didn't respond and said, I am so sorry. I thought I sent that picture to my sister. Oh, oh, it's okay then. Now it did say that he said, I thought I sent that picture to my sister. Uh, and they were at a funeral of a school friend. So the funeral, they were burning the close friend and they were peeing on the close friend's fire. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But CBS, man, this is when you think they cleaned house and they moved everybody out. Nope. Still a problem. Now, remember, this is all allegedly. And remember that, you know, CBS looked into it and they said, yeah, you know, it was an accident. That's right. And, uh, Nobody else is saying that he drinks, so, you know, sorry. Maybe you're not getting the work that you want because you're not good. But, you know, sorry, everything's fine. Move on with your life. So we'll see how the lawsuit uh, continues on. We'll see what happens with it, but really, really strange. I do find it strange that, so a producer comes in, and let's just set aside for the fact that he's, you know, he's, I know he's, you know, a producer, and but... In my world, and I know it's my world, but if I'm working with someone every day, I work with them every day. We're producing shows, and I've, you know I've done this in the past. And you, you're producing shows, and you're in, you're working. We work with them every day. You do shows, you put segments together, you do bids, you're talking. There are plenty of times when you're in an office and you're in the middle of, you know, you're doing this and it's been a long day and you just fall asleep. Like I got to close my eyes for a little bit. That's not, I mean, that's, that's considered to her passing out in her office. To me, that's, I need a break. I'm closing my eyes, but you know, then again, who among us hasn't sent a picture of themselves peeing to their sister? Raise your hands. If you haven't, that's what I thought. Nobody can say that. So, I see. Uh, I see where Netflix has uh, has put out their numbers, and poof, uh, man, they are sucking wind. Things are not looking good for Netflix. I'll tell you that. Uh, absolutely opposite is the truth. In their Asia Pacific region, over the past two years, the revenue has grown one hundred and fifty three percent. They have 14.49 million paying customers in quarter three of 2019. For their European region, which includes the Middle East and Africa, subscription revenue increased 105% over the last two years. 
They have 47.4 million subscribers. In Latin America, streaming revenue only increased 71% in the third quarter. They have 29.4 million subscribers. In America, they have 60.62 million subscribers. In Canada, in Canada, they have 6.5 million. I didn't think Canada had that many people in it. So, yeah, they still get the cash register because, man, if Canada's got 6.5 million people in it, they're doing pretty good. I can't believe there's that many people that want to actually live in Canada, but okay, if you say so. But what made me think of Netflix is that uh, I was, uh, you know, perusing the interwebs. And uh, I came across a, uh, for Business Insider, that said Netflix, five toughest job interview questions. And I thought, okay, well, you know, I'll take a look. And they are really fascinating. And I don't know, you know, if, and I would be, if you went into to get, you know, for a, for a job and have these questions asked of you, you'd be ready for it. I mean, seriously, be ready for it. So the one question was, uh, what questions do you have for me? Curiosity is one of the core values that Netflix outlines in our culture memo. What questions do you have for me? So what are you asking? Right? I'll give you time to think. Number two is what do you do when you disagree with your boss? I mean, what do you answer? I text him a picture of me peeing on a fire is what I do. That's my first answer right there. I probably wouldn't get the job, but that's my first answer. Uh, number three, and this is a fascinating one because I was, I was, I actually thought about this uh, longer than any of the others. Teach me something. What would you teach him? What would you teach him? I mean, a card trick. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I would probably, that'd probably be the first thing. The first thing in my mind would be a card trick, but I don't know that that would go over well with the Netflix. They might go, that's cute. Good luck getting a job in Vegas. Uh, you know, the, go, go be a, you know, go be a magician somewhere. I don't know. What are you going to teach him? I, I, I don't know that, that threw me. I would, I would, I'd walk out going, I didn't get the job. What well, teach me something. Maybe you teach him how to tap dance. Maybe you teach him how to, Hey, let me show you how to pop a good zit. Come here. And you show, I don't know. I don't know what you teach him. I don't know. I don't. No, I didn't teach you how to wash your hands because I noticed you came out of the bathroom earlier and you didn't wash your hands. I don't know. Number four, tell us about a time you failed. That's interesting because you're going to want Is there a number someone could call Ivan? Yeah, that's interesting because there's plenty of times when you could tell stories about how you failed, but you're going to want to tell a story where you failed, but in the end you succeeded, right? At least I would think so. Maybe not. Maybe they're looking. See, you don't know what they're looking for. They don't know if you're looking for how you failed and then recovered to succeed. Or if you failed and then we go back to uh, what do you do when you disagree with your boss? I failed because my boss sucked. And I, you know, I ended up going back and kicking his ass. Did I get the job? No. I mean, you're not, you're not answering that way. Number five, the fifth question out of the five toughest job interview questions. How would you work with a team on a hypothetical project. I mean, that's pretty easy. 
that's an easy one because you're you're laying out teamwork and and discussing what the project is on any project doesn't matter what it is on your hypothetical project and you're laying out uh you know job what what different team members are going to do and then you give them a time frame to come back to you with the, the end project of that task and then you're going to finish up with giving them uh formers and then you follow and then the uh, the object of a boss is to delegate and follow through so if you're the team leader uh, on this hypothetical project, you know, you're going to delegate what the thing's in and then you follow through. That's, I mean, that's what a good boss does, right? You delegate, Hey, take care of this. And you always come back around and make sure that it's done. You don't do it. You make sure that the project is getting done. So that's probably the easiest one. Number five is probably the easiest one. Um, teach me something really through me. Cause I'm not, I mean, I really don't know what I would teach. I, I seriously would probably be a card game, uh, a card trick, maybe a card game. You got a deck of cards in your desk? I mean, I don't know. What do you, can, can you, you want, hey, maybe we play, uh, what's the, what's a little finger football? Paper football. Yeah, I guess, I guess that's paper football where you fold the paper into a little triangle yeah, and but you kick got, it. They've got to have a lot of space on their desk. Otherwise nah, it's too easy. you can just easy. do it in the office. No problem. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, that, that one I have to think about again. I may have to come back around to these questions because they're uh, fascinating questions. And obviously, Netflix, while they should hire me, <laughs> I have some ideas that uh, would make them a little bit more money. And I'm uh, more than willing to, you know, as a side job from here, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to leave here. I, I love you. And especially you. That. Uh, you mean a lot to me. That's why I know you do. I'm. I, that's why. I mean, I fell in love with you when you subscribed to Chewing the Fat. You went to theblaze.com/slash/podcast. You clicked on Chewing the Fat. You you clicked on that platform that you love so much, and then you subscribed to Chewing the Fat. I, I, you mean so much to me. I I would never leave you unless Netflix came to the door, and then I would say, uh, I love you, but. Things change. Uh, I could work for Netflix, and by the way, Netflix, I'm no no joke. I have uh, I have some ideas for you. Now that sound would be for the both of us. Since we're on making money, and uh, you know the odds are, I'm probably not going to go to work for Netflix in the next short period of time. Uh, it's possible, though that uh, I could hit the Powerball jackpot. Uh, the next jackpot is $160 million. And that's, uh, if you're listening live on the 18th of uh, December, 2019, uh, that's tonight. So, if you don't get a boop tomorrow, letting you know that Chewing the Fat has uploaded... Know that I'm taking the cash option of $108.7 million. Now, congratulations are in order to someone in Ohio who won the mega on Monday, $372 million. No kidding. One ticket matched all winning numbers. Sold at the Giant Eagle Supermarket in Mentor, 
outside of Cleveland. Did I mention I was at Mentor uh, just outside of Cleveland the other day? And I lost my my mega ticket. Man, I wish I knew what I did. Oh, man. I wish I could find that. Did someone steal that? So you take the cash option, $251.5 million. That, my friends, would be tough to take. That would be tough to take. I would. You know, okay, fine, I'd take it. But uh, man, that would be that would be sweet. Speaking of someone who's got a lot of money, though, Mariah Carey. I mean, she we did the story. You know, yeah, all I want for Christmas is you is uh, you know number one, and she's got Guinness Book of World Records, and you know the song has been out twenty five years, and you know she's still riding on that song, and she's just that one song alone has made her reportedly over sixty million dollars. One song. One song. So apparently, uh, Mariah and her team uh, worked up quite an appetite uh, when they were playing at the Hard Rock Hotel and Casino in Atlantic City, New Jersey, on her All I Want for Christmas is You tour. Milk it, Mariah. That's what Mariah's new nickname for doing, Milk It. And she might as well. Good for her. So a uh, production assistant from her tour was sent off to Robert's Steakhouse uh, in the hotel to pick up nearly $500 in takeout. Okay. So, I mean, that's for the crew, for everyone that's working. Get yourself what you want for the steakhouse. Let's get it delivered. We'll eat back here. And the chef prepared the meal, extra attention, make sure everything is perfect. You mean like you're supposed to do, Chef Will? Oh, I paid extra attention to make sure that everyone's perfect for the notoriously finicky pop star. Yeah, how about the notoriously finicky just regular customer? How about you just pay attention that way, Chef Will? But anyway, I digress. According to the receipt, the order included lobster tail, strip steak, roast chicken, salmon, crab cakes, pasta dishes, salads, and spinach. There's nothing out of the ordinary here. It's what you would order at a at a, at a steak restaurant, especially one that's Robert's Steakhouse at the hotel on the boardwalk in New Jersey, Atlantic City. That's what you're going to order and eat. And, you know, you've got the crew there. That's what you eat. So uh, the meal came to $493.67. And that really doesn't sound... I mean, I don't know how many people she was paying for, but what they ordered and everything, $493.67, sounds like a a reasonable hotel bill for, you know, a, a crew, for a crew. So apparently the staffer handed over $500 in cash and then took the $6.33 in change. And didn't leave a tip. And now they're mad. Now, wait a second. Wait a second. Now, maybe, maybe you get mad at not just saying, here's 500 and walking away. But are we supposed to tip when we call ahead and order and then pick it up? Uh, I don't think so. I don't think so. Like when I call the local Chinese restaurant, and order my dog and uh or horse whatever they have uh and i pick it up and they charge me eight billion dollars for whatever chinese food i order i don't tip 
Now, I will say that if you were at the hotel and someone from the restaurant brought it to your room or served it, then you would leave a tip, right, to that person. But I'm not tipping the person at the cash register telling me what's in the 10 bags I've ordered. Oh, yeah, today, like when I go, if you order, like just for an example, I'll just use, I just something off the top of my head. I don't know what makes me think of this. Let's say you you called for takeout at Carrabba's. And uh, you called Carrabba's and you called for takeout and you go to, you know, you go pick it up. So you go into Carabas and uh, you pick up your order, and the cashiers who are really nice, I will say, and I don't, I don't know. I've been told, I've been told that the cashiers are really nice at the Carabas uh, at the takeout side. But uh, so you you take your meal, and they tell you they bring out the bags and they go over everything and they show you what it is. You got everything you need. You have a good to go. You go. You pay for it. Now, because they're so nice, I feel bad if I don't leave a tip. I mean, it's a, it's it's a long drive. It's a longer drive home because I feel so bad because I didn't leave them a tip. But I give them the five hundred. They give me my six thirty three change, and I go home because that's doing their job. I just feel like that's that's not the time to tip. Now I will say this too. On the flip side of that, I'm Mariah Carey. I'm working with Mariah Carey. I'm with that team. I'm going to leave a tip so I don't have stories about my boss and my team like this. I want the story to be Mariah Carey staffer left $500 tip for a $493 meal. I, you know, I want that. I want that kind of story. And, and I don't even know if I want that kind of story. I just want someone to say, you know, they were, they were fine. They left a nice tip and we're good. You give them a, you know, 493, what 10% is what four bucks. That answer is false. Thank you. I'm well aware of the answer being false. I mean, you definitely have to leave 25 to 40%, right? If you're Mariah Carey. I know that 20% is the the standard. No, it's not, Jeff. It's 15 and 10, and it depends on the service. Okay. But if you're... Someone that's known, you gotta you gotta break. You're breaking the twenty percent mold. I mean, twenty percent is low end. So if you can't leave, you know, maybe that's all they had. Maybe they only had five hundred bucks, and the serve the the worker is like, I'm keeping the six bucks change. Mariah gave me five hundred, and by the way, I'm pretty sure Mariah didn't give the five hundred. Uh. Bill, the manager, gave me 500 bucks and said, uh, you know, that's that's all you're getting. Uh, you keep the six bucks for a pack of smokes at the end of the show. Thank you so much for listening to Chewing the Fat. I really do appreciate it. You know, we are a week away, if you're listening live, uh, on the 18th of December, 2019, a week away from Christmas. I'm doing my darndest to get into the Christmas spirit. And I'm, I feel like, I keep saying that I'm close, but I don't think I really am. But one way that you can help yourself by getting in the Christmas spirit is subscribing to Chewing the Fat. <laughs> Hello? Yeah. Subscribe. 
I want you to be. I want you to be a. I don't want you to be just a freeloader. I want you to be a subscription freeloader, because for right now it's free. So you go to theblaze.com/slash/podcast. You click on chewing the fat, and then it opens up a plethora of platforms that you can choose from. Uh, and when you find the platform that warms the inside of your tummy, you just click on that and you subscribe to chewing the fat. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's just that easy. And for those of you that Apple and iTunes, uh, you can uh, rate and review. And it, you know, I've made it easy for you. Just rate it twenty stars, best podcast ever. And then you want to, you know, you can, you want to share it. All of you want to share it. Hello, you want other people to know about it, and so do I. But uh, in Apple, that's the way that when you rate and review it, that's how we other people become aware of it. Better the ratings, the better reviews, the higher it goes up. So I really appreciate you doing that as well. Thank you. And don't forget, you can follow me on Twitter, JeffyJFR. You can follow me on Facebook and Instagram, Jeff Fisher Radio. I mean, hello. I give and I give and I give. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. So, uh, actress Lori Laughlin, you know, the criminal uh, who. Uh, who is still fighting the law. Lori, 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 pay my tuition, Lori. As you know, and I'm not, I don't want to hear anything from you. Seriously, don't, don't play a sound effect. Don't turn your microphone on. Just sit there. As you know, since you don't hear, Lori, 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 pay my tuition, Lori. Oh, Lori, pay my tuition. Oh. Lori. Hello. Fantastic. Lori, do you have anything you'd like to step back? Lori, are you fighting? Lori, Lori! Oh, let's hear it again. I was talking when it started. Let me just hear her beg for the tuition. Lori, pay for my tuition! That is fantastic. Now I have to rewind a little bit, personally. And I'm I'm only going to rewind up to after the point of Turn your mic off. Don't talk. Don't speak. Uh, who needs Chris Cruz, right? I mean, who needs him? I was, I was, I was ready to throw, I was ready to throw Christian under the bus, but uh, no, no, he pulls through at the end. You can't the, throw me uh, under the bus. I am the bus. I'm Christian Bustler. It's I, who I am. I'm telling you, who needs Chris Cruz? Let him be off. To hell with him. So anyway, Lori and her husband have filed new court papers alleging that prosecutors are withholding information pertaining to their involvement in a sweeping nation, into the, into the whole scandal. I mean, that's their deal. Look, the prosecutor's been uh, bullying them all along and told them the last time that they upped the ante on them, they told them, take the deal or we're going we're gonna to charge you with more. And now if this is true, the whole thing blows up in their face. Man, do I hope this is true because the world is, you know, I want to play both sides of the fence here because you want to say, uh, you know, holy cow, criminal Lori Laughlin. <laughs> she paid money to the university for her kid to go there. How dare she? But see what she's saying. Well, she's saying the court's intervention is urgently needed. Is what the motion says. It wants to compel the production of material and exculpatory, which was filed Friday. Uh, the government appears to be concealing 
exculpatory evidence that helps show that both defendants believed all the payments they made would go to USC itself for legitimate university-approved purposes or to other legitimate charitable causes. So that's kind of what why she's been fighting it, right? Because our deal was, I mean, she was giving money to a university. People do that all the time. And, and, and they certainly aren't getting busted in Operation Varsity Blues. So we're going to go. I'm a, we're, I'll go down, break down the list. I don't want to go down the whole list again of all the people being charged. But coming up here in January, more and more people are going to start going to court now and facing facing uh, sentencing trials. And the list is pretty extreme still. And uh, and Lori has uh, you know started to struggle and fight. And people are like, oh, why is she fighting? This is why. I mean, of course, what's his name? Singer, right? Singer or Springer. He was the guy that was taking the money. I, he absolutely, he's the guy that absolutely go down hard. He's the guilty, one. Guilty, guilty, guilty. Yes, absolutely. And I'll tell you who else you should go down is the coaches and the athletic directors from these universities. They knew damn well what they were doing. And that is completely wrong. But for many of these parents, I mean... Okay. Like, what's her face? Felicity Huffman. I mean, she's already done her jail time. Gone to jail. Now, you know, granted. (laughs) Granted, it was, what, 10 or 11 days or something. The sentencing was like 14 days. And she, you know, almost did the the full term. I mean, you can't expect people to do full term. Right? It's a full sentencing. No. Got good behavior and everything. I mean, she got a full 14 days. And then she served the whole... 11 or maybe 12 and travel time and everything was included so it was damn near 14 anyway Lori Loughlin I mean she's been fighting it all along and you know starting to pay she was she's been mad the reports about her daughter going back on YouTube which by the way I watched the first YouTube uh, performance from her daughter uh after this whole uh scandal broke wasn't it good she had a lot of views and she's got a lot of followers, but the whole thing was a little shaky anyway the uh you know she was mad that her daughter broke the video silence because uh, they were supposed to be video silence. And this is why they are busy fighting it. So if the government is holding back information that they know to keep these people down, that is ridiculous. And I hope, I hope that they burn and shut this thing down. Seriously. And, I mean, I don't want to have... Lori, pay for I don't want her to pay for that girl's tuition anymore. He's not guilty. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. See, I'm trying to get into the spirit. I'm trying my darndest. If I, I figure if I just, you know, ever so often, I just... Do a little whistling, or I think of some Christmas music songs, like, you know, all I love for Christmas is you. If I start singing like that, you know, and I just break it up, then I could be in the spirit, right? Right? Oh. The blue charisma without you. Oh. Now, see, I just it's not going to work. It's just not going to work. 
Anyway, that's not going to work. So a body has been discovered after 10 years in a freezer. A Utah man's body was discovered in a freezer inside his wife's home. Wait, it's not his home too. Uh, 10 years after his death. Now, the good thing is, uh, during a welfare check, uh, authorities found uh, the lady. Uh, they went to the went to the house, and uh, they found that she had passed away too. Very sad. Very sad. But as they were, you know, searching the house, making sure everything was okay, they opened the freezer, and there was husband. Ten years in the free in the deep freeze. Now, I know what you're thinking. Well, the wife killed him and just put him in the freezer, and uh, you know, then she just lived there until she died. She couldn't live anymore with him. Well, you'd be wrong, okay? Because. Uh, The man had a note notarized on him that said the wife didn't kill him. So there. (laughs) That is great. So, I mean, if you're concerned that the wife killed the man, no. He had a notarized letter on him that said... My wife didn't kill me, so we're good. It's all good. Never mind. Move on. Speaking of killing, though, uh, remember the Rick Ocasek story when, uh, you know, the ex-wife or the, I guess they weren't completely divorced, but she abandoned him, according to Rick in his papers, uh, except that she was there taking care of him when he died. But um, that, never mind that. Uh, she abandoned him. And didn't, he didn't want to give any of his money or anything that he had to her. And remember, she was the one that found him and touched him on the cheek for his Sunday morning tea. Ugh. And uh, he passed away. And it was after it was after some kind of surgery that definitely didn't have anything to do with his death. And uh, so, and she said, we definitely knew about it. I knew, I, you know, I knew that I wasn't going to get anything. And they had been married. They've been married 28 years. Wow. And uh, she all, she knew about it. And look, he's, she's got more money than he does. I mean, she was a supermodel for many years and still has some pretty good deals. Yeah. Rick apparently is worth, I don't know, five or six million. And now, no, no, no. For Rick, he's a rock star. The guy's a rock star for the cars, but he's only worth worth five million? That's, I spit on five million if I'm a rock star. Are you kidding me? That's nothing. She was feeding him out of her back pocket for years. So her not getting it is kind of like a slap in the face. Like, you know, you're not even going to the change in my pocket. But she uh, has now filed papers in the court that said, uh, you know, I'm the surviving spouse. Uh, We were never divorced, and uh, I'm getting my cut. Okay? So whether you like it or not, uh, I'm getting my cut. And guess what? 
he's dead now and he's not in a freezer with a note that says I didn't kill him. So let's move the heck on. She deserves it. Apparently he wrote, uh, he was writing out a couple of kids too. I guess there was four or five kids that they had and he had written out. He said that a couple of kids weren't going to get any money either. And uh, the kids from her were still getting some money, but the kids from other mothers weren't getting uh, anything. Yes, six kids, six sons. Rick was taking care of a little rock and roll business. Six sons, two of which he was cutting out, but they weren't Paulina's kids. I mean, it's just just a weird situation. And so, look, I'm sure the court's going to say, look, we're splitting it all up. All right, she gets the spouse stuff. Kids get a cut. Here's a couple. Here's some trust funds for the kids. And I'm sure that when I when you say kids, I mean, he was 75, so the kids are probably 40. <laughs> so, although they're not, <laughs> they're not kids running around. You know, they're actual grown adults waiting for dad to die to give him some money. Sad. But they'll just cut it up and everybody will get their, everybody will get their piece of pie, including the attorneys and the judge and the whole damn bunch of them. And you'll end up with splitting up about $3 million to everybody and nobody will get anything. And Pauline will have to go back to, you know, she'll have to sign another deal for another 20 or 30 I wonder what she's worth. Hold on. We're going to find that out. Hold on. Paulina. That was her last name. Paulina. Uh, yeah, Porscova. What is she worth? She's got to be worth. I bet you she's worth. She's worth $80 million. That's what I thought. She's worth a lot more. Yes. I mean, she was footing the bill for Rick for years. So him saying, she abandoned me. That's why he was pissed. He wasn't pissed because she abandoned him out of love. He was pissed because he had to start dipping into his pocketbook to pay for a few things. Right. That's exactly what happened. Holy cow. So raise your hand if you like spam. No, I'm not talking about spam email. I'm not talking about any of that. I'm talking about the actual canned meat spam. My mother actually tells me that her her mom made uh, made fried spam because you know she grew up poor in the North Woods and she actually really liked it. I I still my I still have uh, fried spam once in a while. I like it uh, cut thin. Not the thicker style, not the, you know, I'd rather have not the meat. When I was a kid, my dad used to keep a can in the glove box. I always had, oh, you never know. You never know. You get stuck out here in the country, you might need something to eat. Okay, dad, whatever, you know, it's whatever. All that was is I get drunk, I drive around, I have spam. That's all that was. But then as a kid, I'm like, yeah, that's a pretty good idea. Put some spam. He's always had the salt and pepper shaker. Now the salt and pepper shakers in the glove box were there. So when you stop at uh, local roadside fruit stands, because I grew up in in Michigan, and you know the farmers all sold their fruits and vegetables and stuff. So you always had like fresh cucumbers and fresh tomatoes and fresh cantaloupes, although they were called muskmelons in Michigan, and uh, you know apples, all that stuff. So the salt and pepper were stuff for that. That was good, good stuff. Anyway. Uh, so Spam has now reported a fifth consecutive year of record sales. Record sales for Spam. That's amazing. It was introduced in 1937, and American soldiers uh, brought the canned lunch and meat around the world. And I guess in Hawaii, it is, uh, it's part of their history 
now. Uh, the American military uh, brought it and had it there and used it as meat and protein. And now uh, Hawaiians use it as, a, according to this story, an integral part of Hawaiian cuisine. I just want to go on record. This is a point, one of the first times that I've heard anything about Hawaii that makes me think I don't want to go there. Because while I said I like ham, spam, you know, fried and, you know, with breakfast and thin, that's only because it's there. You know, I'm not, I would, I wouldn't go out of my way to buy spam and cook it. I wouldn't do it. Uh, no. And to say, oh, we're going to go to Hawaii. Yay. We could, you know, an integral part of the Hawaiian cuisine is spam. Do thank you. But, uh, record sales. So eat up. America, eat up. Download and subscribe to more content at theblaze.com slash podcasts. An integral part of uh, cuisine that would get me to want to visit some places, maybe say, I don't know, ice cream. Uh, An integral part of the Hawaiian cuisine is ice cream. I'm there. That's helping me out. You know, spam is making me think twice about it. But anyway, uh, I saw where Haagen-Dazs, uh, reported their, you know, top ice cream of the year. And, uh, you know, it's always vanilla, chocolate. But uh, for the first time, for the first time this year, number one, coming in at number one, cookies and cream. And then and then vanilla. And then uh, dulce de leche. And then uh, Belgium chocolate, which... Eh, and then chocolate regular. But they also, in some of the other, like the top 10 or top 15 lists, from, they talked a lot about how caramel is, is winning people over. So you're getting cookies and cream, you're getting the caramel. I mean, am I turning down any one of these ice creams? Cookies and cream, vanilla, dulce de leche, Belgium chocolate or chocolate? The answer to that, my friends, is no. <laughs> All right, remember I told you that uh, the Beverly Hillbillies estate uh, in California was up for sale for uh, for a lot of money, uh, a, a lot of money, like uh, $350 million. But uh, then they dropped it down to uh, 245 And uh, then they said, uh, oof, you know what? Uh, how about $195 million? And then it sat for a little while, and they went, oof, man. Um, how about uh, how about somebody comes along and uh, gives us $119 million? Sold! So it went from, we got to get $350 million for this joint, to $119 million. We'll take it. Have a nice day. They should have went with realestateagentsitrust.com. We'd have hooked them up. We got them more than $119 million. I guarantee I would. I'm, I would almost guarantee that uh almost guarantee that i mean that's still a hefty price 119 million but if you can afford the 119 million because what kills you on these estates and we've talked about it before what kills you on these estates is the upkeep even the pictures and most pictures they show of the beverly hillbillies house they usually show a worker 
it's tough to it's tough to take a picture of the place without Jose or Jose B out there working. And it's amazing. Because the upkeep is expensive, man. You just don't let that. You just don't pull in and that's it. And we'll dust once in a while. No. That stuff's got to be done every, every day, man. Every day you got to have a cleaning person on that. You got to have that. And uh, in New York, the uh, billionaires roll on 57th Street. Man, I'm telling you what. I There's some beautiful places if you don't mind living you know in the high rise looking out over new york and seeing the city and seeing the park it is gorgeous gorgeous but people are spending uh a lot of money uh they just the one guy just bought a penthouse for like 90 million uh and there's they're going for a lot more so, uh, good luck. You're you're gonna you're gonna be lucky to be able to move into those places for fifty million. I mean, you maybe maybe you rent it for fifty grand a month, sixty grand a month, something like that, just for the. And that's just you know we'll let you in for we'll let you in. You can rent it for sixty grand a month, but we're not. You got to pay for all the other stuff too. We're not paying for the building security, and we're not paying. You got to take care of all that too. So, I know, but it's sixty. No, that's what you get. Move on. And plus, did you see? Okay, before we go, we got to talk a little bit about the Kate Middleton, Prince William, shrug off. So, they did a Christmas special. And, you know, they're all happy, happy. And everybody's thinking that, uh, oh, did you see Kate shrug off Prince William? So they're sitting there on their little stools in front of the fireplace. And they're talking to their friends. And I haven't I haven't watched the entire special yet. I'm sorry. And I don't even know. Has the, has the entire special even aired yet? Hold on. Yeah, it aired Monday. Okay. Yeah, the Barry Royal Christmas. Right. So uh, it already aired. So, and they were, uh, they're sitting there talking to their friends and he leans over and she kind of sitting on a, you know, a stool that's, that has the, it turns, right? And uh, he jokes around and he touches her, which is rare for the royals to begin with. That's, I mean, that's showing outside affection, which is, that's a, that's a rarity. But he reaches over and he touches her. Now she smiles at him and then she turns and, and he pulls away. They're calling that the shrug. You know, Kate Middleton shrugs off the touch from William. But if you look at that, that was just the way things happened. She wasn't shrugging him off. He touched her. She turned the little stool, and he was pulling back at the same time. She was. He wasn't. She wasn't pulling him away. I'm sorry. No. And when the stories all talk about he attempted to gently place his hand on Middleton's shoulder, he did. He touched her. He didn't reach out, and then she pulled away and recoiled in horror. It didn't happen. I'm sorry. No. You're, you're grasping at straws. You're trying to pick a fight. We already know that he's waiting for her to be pregnant again so he can go to the neighbors and have an affair with her. That's the only time he has an affair with the neighbor lady is when Kate is pregnant. So we already know that. We already do. 
So unless she's unless she already is pregnant, and he's already just reaching over to touch her, saying, "Ha ha, honey, I gotta go." Going over to the neighbors for a little while. That's when she recoils from him and says, don't touch me, you evil bastard. But not then. Not for the Christmas special. No, I won't hear of it. No. 